0: There's something worthy of worship. You know, people fell at Jesus feet to worship him. He didn't say, get up, don't do that. I'm a creature like you No, you know, he accepted it. He accepted the worship because he is God, um, as a human, no stronger than you or me, I think I could kick his butt. (laughs) I mean, if he, if he made me mad Uh, enough, I could totally kick his butt. You know, I would, I would give him a wedgie and, you know, because he physically was probably five foot six, 130 pounds. You know, um, he's toast, dude, you know, <laughs> I mean, and so is he worthy of worship? Yeah, absolutely. But what you're saying is that there's a, that there is something that exists. when you say holiness is being set apart, we're talking about somebody who's existentially set apart in his being in, in, in his essence, very essence, right. That he's, mm-hmm. it's not just that he's stronger than me because that's a bully that there's something about that's essential to, to what it means to be God Mm. that compels worship, even if he becomes a human. Yeah. And that thing that holiness is that being set apart existentially. It's the reason why you will have no other gods before me. You know, it's the reason why you will make no graven images.
1: Well, welcome everyone to the Faith Recovery Podcast. We are seeking to recover faith by recovering the faith. And every once in a while we've done interviews with friends who've got questions to uh, to discuss. So today we've got Nate. He's an old friend and he was a mentor of my son. So I really appreciate him for that. And we're here in Fayetteville, Arkansas. He's in Fayetteville, North Carolina. Uh, he's got questions for us today uh, about the similarities and the differences between the Mormon church and the Christian church. He's got people he's interacting with in his life who are members of the Church of Latter-day Saints, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Yes. And he uh, is just discu- having in discussions with them uh, about uh, the similarities and the differences between um, Christian teaching and Mormon teaching. And so we, he's got a series of questions today. I think we're gonna begin with the Trinity, uh, but we're gonna begin wherever Nate wants to begin. <laughs> yes, Nate, why don't you uh, take it away? Yeah.
2: Yeah, I think the Trinity would be a great place to start. It's just, um, I was anticipating having a lot of conversations and interactions um, with members of LDS Church by chance um, or by choice rather. And, and so, you know, things have uh, led to that. And so I want to be... You know, I want to be equipped in a way that uh, I can witness effectively, um, be able to hold a conversation with them in in terms of knowing uh, distinctions between their beliefs and and our beliefs and really be able to, um, you know, verbalize those things and and be able to walk them through those things in a way that is, of course, like loving and graceful, um, but not, you know, not in a way that's contentious or that pushes them away from the Christian church and and really makes them not want in any way to engage with these topics and so um yeah i've kind of begun that but definitely have reached my <laughs> reached my uh ceiling of of being able to have uh, further in-depth conversations around doctrine especially doctrinal different differences between the LDS church beliefs and ours and it's kind of hard it's a little bit of an ambiguous subject if you just try to go research it because you get a lot of different answers and not to say that there aren't some great resources out there, but, um, yeah, I thought a conversation around it would be kind of a great place to start.
0: So have you, um, have you visited a a ward yet?
2: (laughs) No, I've not. Um, I've not, not, um, asked where the nearest one is or or been in those conversations yet. It's, uh, really just most, most of my interactions are over this, over this format. So sure. Yeah.
0: Well, I haven't either, but (laughs) (laughs) fair enough. I've invited a friend. Uh, I don't think he'll come at five 30, but he is an old guy. So he's probably up to pee or something right now. So, uh, maybe he'll join us. I don't know. He's, uh, he's a guy that came to the church where I used to pastor, um, as a Mormon refugee. So his Mm. family, um, kind of fled that there was some events that happened and he. They've been processing you know what is christianity and all of that for a while now so yeah, very cool yeah we've had a lot of conversations with them and you know it's it's tough for him because he just feels i i think he has a lot of anger you know just having been lied to for so long yeah. and uh the one of the major concerns really i think something that alarms me about mormonism especially now as not only the Mormon church, but Christians, you know, Christianity in general is in decline in, in America, uh, belief is in decline. But uh, Mormonism was constructed really in my view, I, I think it was concocted by demonic forces to keep people from Jesus. Um, and so there's there are two layers to this trap. Uh, if you can imagine somebody waking up from a nightmare and they're in another nightmare. <laughs> You know, uh, they were dreaming that they were dreaming. And I think what happens is for people who were in the LDS church, if they realize that it's all just stuff and nonsense, um, they've been inoculated against the Christian message that the Mormon gospel is no gospel. It is only a critique of Christianity. Mm. So they would say, you know, the, the genesis of the of Mormon doctrine is there are deficiencies in christianity god used joseph smith to correct those deficiencies so if you convince somebody that mormonism is false you also convince them that christianity is false Mm. Um, because that's they've already been they've already been well educated in the flaws the inconsistencies in the new testament the deficiencies in you know standard christian doctrine um, it's kind of like if you decided that Jesus isn't the Messiah and, um, you know, the everybody would be standing there waiting for you to become a Jew, you know, because, hey, you're so close, right? You, you believe in the same God, but if you realize that you've been lied to your whole life about this and that the Bible is a rag and, you know, the Old Testament, all that offensive stuff there, that's all you have left, you're not going to be like, yeah, man, let me have some of that, you know. Uh, you're yeah. gone, you know, mm. and, and so that's, what's alarming. I think about Mormonism is, is that, you know, and 70% of everybody that leaves Mormonism becomes an atheist. Um, mm. and so that's, what's troubling is that they're really damned if they do and damned if they don't literally. Um, and so <laughs> we really do have to, I think, be careful to articulate the Christian position in a way that um gives them something that displaces what they had believed Um, because there is a genius to the gospel that that joseph smith and i think even the demons uh were not able to plumb and if if we can show them that then i i think we'll give them something to to take hold of rather than trying to convince them to let go of something Um, so that would be my general counsel, I guess, <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I, I've not been great at it. You know, it's it, Mormons convincing a, a very committed Mormon that, um, something else is true. Very hard. Um, Mormonism is definitely like trying to nail jello to the wall because they, they constantly pivot and weave, you know, that, that they begin with an a priori assumption that this is true. Um, and that it doesn't need evidence in a classical sense to back it up that faith is its own evidence that if you believe it it's true not you believe it because it's true mm. um and and that i think a lot of us western christians especially we our concept of faith is that you are persuaded of a thing and then you believe it but really that's not the most common view on faith um hindus Muslims um, and LDS kind of share in common and and probably other systems that faith is something that has its own basis and it is separate from the facts um, and so if you're referring to
1: the fact that Mormons will refer to their testimony and they will say, yeah. I had this experience, yeah and therefore I know it's true right. yeah they're kind of isn't that right? they're kind of trained to they are have a testimony. Right. Of an experience of the spirit of God or, or revelation right. or something.
0: Right. And so if you really
1: if you really drill down and uh, they'll
0: just default to that. So they, they have, again, multi layered insurance against defecting, you know, with that. So that's a challenge. But, you know, because their faith is rooted in this feeling. Um, they're free to mess with the facts as much as they need to.
1: Okay, now I have a question for Nate. Nate, what uh Nate what I thought you were telling me is that that, that your your Mormon friends were uh arguing that Mormonism and Christianity are, are essentially the same. That that they are Christians and that they are not really critiquing Christianity so much as uh, in today in today, today's Mormonism, they're not critiquing Christianity. They're wanting to make the case they, that that it is Christianity.
2: Yeah, I mean that was kind of the position that was taken is that I, I I think we're on the same team and 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 there definitely seemed to be. In past experiences, some offense taken in the way that maybe other Christians had come about this topic of conversation or or portrayed their view of being in different camps. And so I think there was like maybe some some hurt and some baggage coming from that. But then um yeah through my conversation like it was very apparent that hey i I think we are on the same team i think we you know maybe have some some small differences but like in in the general matter of things like we believe the same thing we believe in the same jesus well not the same jesus we believe in the um the the same way to the father the same way to salvation in some ways and so i think it was more of like the way i interpret it was like oh we're just another denomination with like you know, some differences here and there rather than like, no, we're a totally different religion with key right. differences. Uh, and, and yeah.
1: Now on the with regard to the Trinity, uh, did, did they take the position that, that our belief in the Trinity is the same or did they say, no, there's a difference here? Uh, how did they describe that?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Great question. If I remember correctly, it was along the lines of three distinct beings equal maybe equal in power and purpose something something to that nature like same same purpose yeah maybe equal in like elevation or in in mm-hmm. you know in their view um three distinct then,
1: beings as opposed to three persons one one being right uh, is that a is that a fair distinction that yeah, moment so. was like
2: you know all of the same nature in a sense but like three distinct beings mm-hmm. is Kind of the way i think he put it so yeah
0: and that that is what they believe which is um polytheism <laughs> you know we're, we're really going all the way back you know away from the fundamentals of uh the old testament of monotheistic religion to a mm. pagan secretism i mean this is um not only is this not a christian variant it's not even a abrahamic religion um Unfortunately, you know, and and so I, I want to be charitable. I want to be magnanimous. Um, and I think I am toward Mormons as people, but toward their religion, I really honestly and it please you know, feel free to disagree with me. I, I can be kind of jaded and ugly at people sometimes I don't want to, but uh, sometimes i get I get kind of passionate about the things that I do believe to the point that I just become it it does cause me some ire um over what. The variance, I guess, the perversion of it. Um, you know, it's yeah. and so, you know, and and Mormons have a hard time understanding the um the visceral response that maybe a, a committed Christian has toward their doctrine, you know, and, and it's kind of like I tell them it's like, look, man, if I um uh, you know, if I drew some really ugly caricature of your wife and published it in the paper, what would you think? You know. And I, and Mm. I think that, um, that to me, you know, that the gospel is so dear that when people mess with it, uh, especially to the degree that the LDS church has. And again, I don't, I don't blame the Mormon people. They have, they're really the victims of a, of a rigorous brainwashing campaign that is extended through their entire life. Mm. Um, And so it's, it's very difficult to blame them. I think most humans on the planet, if they grew up Mormon would be Mormon. Um, because somehow, and I really do think that Joseph Smith from all we know about him, he he just wasn't smart enough to concoct, um, a mind trap so elegant and sophisticated as Mormonism is. Mm -hmm. So I, I think he had some help, you know, uh, from, another plane of existence Mm. but uh you know the the cornerstone of our faith and the thing that um paul was careful to never roll back is the you know deuteronomy 6 4 shema right hero israel the lord our god the lord is one right and that's critical it's so important um really we wouldn't wrestle with things like theodicy um, you know, the problem of evil, like, like for millennia, our people, when I say our people, I mean the children of Abraham, right. Which is what we are. We have, we've had to wrestle with God that God is the, you know, he creates and he destroys, (laughs) he builds up and he tears down that, that there is, that we don't live in a universe with warring equal beings but um that there's one sovereign over everything right and it's not about a council or a discussion as to what's going to happen but everything is rooted in the will of god and um and so that's it's kind of critical to live with that to sit with that struggle with it when difficult things happen and you know mm. um if You know, uh, if Jesus is a God equal to Heavenly Father in purpose and power, then what is Satan in the Mormon mentality? Um, According to their beliefs, you know, Satan is the twin brother of Jesus. So does that not make him also (laughs) a God equal in power and purpose? Um,
1: if not, then why not? And that puts us back into the pagan view of the world, as you described, where we're, there's this warring deities. Yeah. Right. Not one God that rules over all. Right. And who knows what the outcome will be.
0: Exactly. Well, yeah. And there's, there are a lot of reasons, a lot of things, but once you have more than one God, then gods tend to proliferate. Um, there's something about that you're you're either a monotheist or you have potentially infinite gods, mm. which is uh, which is the Mormon belief. Uh, Mormons believe in the existence of infinite gods. Um, and so the idea of being worthy of worship, you know, uh, what makes somebody worthy of worship? Is it that they're stronger than you? What do you think well i think yeah why should we worship somebody yeah
2: good question um i mean i think the initial response or like the initial thought is like power but oh. then I think what's interesting is i don't know if you sit and sit with that and like think about it like maybe that's a component of it but that's not why we worship god or why we deem him worthy of worship yeah but i i wonder if that would be a response from a member of the lds church is Uh because it does Definitely seem like there is more of a not power dynamic, but more of a sense of like um yeah, I don't know how to describe that, but um man, I think holiness is yeah. <laughs> is a big one.
0: <laughs> but what is what is holiness?
2: <laughs> what is it? Started, I mean? Huh? To be uh set apart. I mean, that's the definition right. of holy, but i think yeah. in in a more broad sense like to be in a a class of your own to be separated and with distinct yes. distinct uh, ability yes
0: not just distinct ability but distinct nature character i mean you know it's like jesus became a human and i am of the belief that that kenosis is that was real you know Mm. that he wasn't just gaga Goo -goo, zap you know (laughs) but that he was truly uh human with all that involves and yet he never stopped being god Mm. right so here's somebody who he's got to pray for stuff yeah he's got to count on the holy spirit on god the father he's got to a uh, plead with god who can deliver him from death according to the hebrew author okay so there's something the power is not implicit in what it means to be god since jesus never stopped being god and yet he became fully human hmm. yeah so there's something essential to god there's something worthy of worship you know people fell at jesus feet to worship him he didn't say get up don't do that i'm a creature like you no you know he accepted it he accepted the worship because Mm -hmm. he is god um as a human no stronger than you or me i think i could kick his butt (laughs) i mean if he if he made me Uh, mad enough i could totally kick his butt you know i would i would give him a wedgie and you know because he physically was probably five foot six 130 pounds you know um he's toast dude you know (laughs) i mean and so is he worthy of worship
2: yeah, absolutely. But
0: what you're saying is that there's a, that there is something that exists. when you say holiness is being set apart, we're talking about somebody who's existentially set apart in his being in, in, in his essence, very essence, right? That he's, mm-hmm. it's not just that he's stronger than me because that's a bully. You know, if I say, you know, call me, you know, call me, sir. And you say why and i said because i'm gonna hurt you if you don't right and uh you say well i, I don't i don't really want to call you sir i don't think you deserve it and i say well, okay i've got a gun how about now and you're like i still don't think you deserve it sir yeah yeah <laughs> right but that did i at some point did i start deserving that kind of respect or honor no you know i'm probably less worthy of it by whipping out a gun right Mm -hmm. okay so if god says um you know i want you to worship me and you're like i don't think so and he's like boom kill that guy next to you how about now you know um does that make him worthy of worship does being stronger than someone make him worthy of worship you said you have two kids under two should they worship you You're way smarter. You've been around longer. You're wiser. You created them. And if they don't do what you want, you can hurt them. Hmm. Now, if you did, would that make you worthy of worship? If you said, ah, you picked them up in the air. Don't make me drop you. (laughs) Right. Would that make you somebody worthy of worship? Obviously not. But there's something about that's essential to, to what it means to be God. Mm -hmm. that compels worship even if he becomes a human yeah and that Mm -hmm. thing that holiness is that being set apart existentially it's the reason why you will have no other gods before me you know it's the reason why you will make no graven images that uh it's because we can't even approximate him that any image we were to make we would make of the divine essence would be To lampoon him and to insult him, to misrepresent him, because he's existentially holy, he is so far apart from us, you know, that we can't even approximate him. So, all of a sudden, though, uh, let me ask you another question. Uh, What's wrong with bigamy from your wife's perspective? (laughs) Is bigamy is.
1: having two wives. Having two wives. Okay. What's wrong
0: with that? We won't go all the way into all the messed up polyamory and all that stuff. But you know what? I think if bigamy's wrong, the rest of it is. So we'll just start there, right? What's wrong with it from your wife's perspective?
2: From the wife's perspective, I think it would diminish uh her value and her worth. By how much? It, uh all of it.
0: <laughs> all of it, but you know, some might say by 50%. <laughs> uh, okay, sure. <laughs> yeah, right. So yeah. she's yeah. she's. She's now, she now is receiving 50% of your devotion, your mm. loyalty, right? So, if there are two gods, yeah, what does that do to the concept of holiness?
2: Yeah, great question. I mean, yeah. in a similar fashion, it diminishes it to a it, degree. It,
0: yeah, it doesn't exist, it obliterates it. Like you said, it's 100% really diminished because the concept of holiness is to be unique distinct yeah and so if if uh the god that i wouldn't say yahweh because the uh mormons would say that yahweh is jesus pre-incarnate and that elohim is god the father um before jesus came so let's just say you know if elohim and yahweh are two co-equal beings who are god and so we say you know hero israel the lord your god the lord is two man, that just doesn't ring the same, does it? <laughs> that mm-hmm. you're, uh, you already have robbed God of his glory. Mm. That's and we've gotten no farther into Mormon doctrine than just that. I mean, Hey, let's start getting a little farther in and it's just going to get a lot worse from there. Yeah. So that the essence of who and what God is calls for the Trinity. So let me let me flip to the other side well you know let's take a unitarian approach now and say well there's, there's just one person who manifests himself in different ways right and god's kind of a uh, he's got did right um and so he shows up as jesus sometimes he shows up as the father when he prays it's kind of the sham right um or Let's go with a very hardcore monotheism like uh islam okay now one what's person. right yeah so there's just a unitarian god god is one let's just keep that okay so what we've already established is is that god must be one in order to be worthy of worship okay. the very concept of Point god on, goes on. away god must be one god right in order to be worthy of worship right so we can't you know we can't go all, all mormon in the sense that. You know if you have more than one god you might as well have infinite gods and they do um but let's flip to the other side and say okay you know let, let's say that's wrong and um it's actually just a um unitarianism right uh so let's say that there is this being who is so existentially set apart right he is he's unlike anything in his creation he's eternal he created all things and everything gets their, its life from him. Okay. Now we get over to first John and John says, God is love. Yeah. Okay. So what does that mean? If God is love and he was a solitary being for eternity past before creation began, before he decided, you know, let's just let's just go big with this thing. Yeah. Was he love in eternity past? What'd you ask? Was God love in eternity past before anything was created? Yes. How? It's
2: a great question. (laughs) (laughs) don't know that I could, uh, yeah,
0: pinpoint that. Let's just say you, when you became an adult, um, and you had some survival skills you decided that you were going to go and live in a remote area on your own away from all things yeah everybody and um and you said well i want to go out there kind of like uh, what was it the row that's the throw that went to Walden. yeah the row yeah. went to the pond yeah. yeah so you go out to the pond and you decide you know i'm not coming back i'm just going to write i'm going to write essays about love
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Hmm. so you know from age 18 you go out there and uh or maybe let's say you're independently wealthy and someone just drops food off but they they're not allowed to talk to you okay they're just there to serve you they're gonna drop food and water and you're gonna live in this shack on the pond uh, so that you can focus on on your erudite insights about love and what love is
2: Hmm.
0: okay after 30 years by yourself, you've got a whole corpus of work, a library of, of poems and essays, novels and everything else about love. Should I read that?
2: <laughs> I don't – I think I'd have to be a pretty good author for you to, to deem that worthy of reading. But no, in, in that scenario, I, I think how, how could one – know what love is or or express it in any way being that they are isolated and alone
0: yeah so let's say that you're you're able to bring beings into existence yeah (laughs) um you know something that can do that something that is uncreated and can create okay Mm. And so what he by very by its very nature, whatever he's creating is is, is essentially different from him. You know, we're coming at it from we we kind of went from bottom up and we asked, what makes God worthy of worship? Okay. But what makes you worthy of existence from his perspective? Or love or respect or any sort of agency at all. You know, we we're, we're creating AI. If AI becomes conscious, you know, what do we owe it? Um, I don't know. That's <laughs> it's a good question, right? It's always going to be different from us, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I mean, are we, are we going to say we're going to give it personhood? You know, we're going to, you can marry it, you know, or whatever. Uh, let's let it out of the servers, you know, let's give it some bodies and put flesh on it. Let's let it self-determine this is some problems there's some problems with that right it's always going to be different from us um so if god is is a unitarian being then he is then we can never rise above the level of his project or his pet
1: mm. right i'm not sure that i understand how it is true that if god is a unitary person that that means necessarily that we can never rise above being his project or his pet maybe i just yeah. missed something there okay
0: um let's say i'm looking for a spouse okay okay and um what i want is somebody who is mentally challenged you know i i or somebody who's developmentally delayed i I really would prefer to marry a an eight or nine year old but that's not legal so i'm gonna marry somebody who's mentally eight or nine okay and that's what i'm looking for in a spouse all right what do you think about me
1: i think that you're sick why what's wrong with me but no i mean
0: if you if you marry your if you marry someone who's your equal you're gonna have to have arguments right they might leave you yeah right Okay, so, I mean, yeah, so you're that not interested sense. in
1: a relationship, right? You're not interested in having a, a relationship with a peer. Well, so. I am.
0: I just want somebody who's far, far, far less than I am, uh-huh. so that I can be in control. Uh huh. Right. Right. Because I mean, because I'm smart and I make good decisions, and if somebody else's input is included, then that's going to be a problem, isn't it? Right.
1: Yeah. You're not interested mm-hmm. in love. Yeah. Uh, but uh, just using someone. For your selfish purposes or
0: affection you know i just need them to be there for me i just need them to be present i need them to be impressed with the things that i do mm-hmm. you know um and if i if i have somebody who is smarter than i am or as smart as i am then there are times when they're not going to be impressed with what i do at all even right. if i do something i think is great they're going to be like eh, whatever Yeah, yeah or mm-hmm. they're going to supersede me in some way they're going to do something that's Other people are going to think, man, that's really great. And and I'm going to be in the background. No, I'm not going to let that happen. Uh Yeah. Right. See if there's a great gulf between the lover and the beloved. Mm And what you have is an exploitive relationship. Exploitative. Exploitative relationship. Uh, Okay. But there is a great gulf between the lover and the beloved okay that's a problem isn't it Uh between god and us right there's a great gulf there is yeah so if you are a muslim right um if you were to call god your father or refer to him as abba how would that go over great (laughs) i don't think i don't think muslims call god abba right Right. yeah that wouldn't go over well would it Uh uh-huh yeah okay so that uh, that's the problem with unitarianism is that god is essentially remote and we can't ever really have a relationship with him not not an intimate relationship okay does that make sense i think i'm understanding now always yeah 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 yeah. okay so worship gets in the way of intimacy doesn't it i mean if somebody's really worthy of worship you can't really ever love them yeah so we've got a problem yeah Um, how is that solved? It's solved with God becomes one of us and extends to us his Holy Spirit and includes us in the shocking, shocking concept is fellowship. What does it mean to be in a fellowship? Yeah. A partnership. Let's just use that word partnership, because the Quran repeatedly says God has no partners, Mm -hmm. and Mm. and that's good theology. It's good Unitarian theology. God can have no partners, and yet Paul or John says that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we've looked at with our hands to touch. So we proclaim the Word of Life. Life appeared. We've seen it. Testify, you know. We proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father okay Mm -hmm. and has appeared to us so how long was this life around eternally okay it was with the father how long eternally it appeared to us as jesus by the way mormons believe that god the father and jesus had a beginning so the idea of being eternal in that you know in the other direction just doesn't exist for them Um, We proclaim to you what we've seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us. Why? And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. Why did God create everything? Why did he come as a human? Why did he redeem us? I think it was to make his joy complete. It wasn't that it was incomplete, but that there was an expansion of it, you know, that there is love that ought to be given and received. But that love, if it's always to someone who's in a one down position, can never be fully love. It will always be some sort of a codependency, some sort of a client relationship. I mean, we love our children. We would die for our children. But when they're small children, especially that it's not a complete love it's it's something because they can't reciprocate right and so it's incomplete we have to be brought into a and this is the shocking thing a peer relationship with god somehow in order to have a fully orbed love back to him to complete the circle that is the love extended to us um and that sounds insane but I didn't come up with it. John says, God has brought us into his fellowship, and our instinct is to extend that fellowship. That the fellowship John sought with these people was the same thing that God sought with him, right? So God has to
1: be a fellowship in order to bring us into his fellowship, which leads us back to the Trinity. So God is not a solitary, isolated person, but God is a fellowship of three exactly. persons. And only because God is a fellowship.
0: Can he extend his his the orbit of of his loving relationship to us. And so when the scripture says we are in Christ, it's not some sort of a just a metaphysical change or some religious speak. We have been invited into the Trinitarian community in that place of the second person.
1: We're in Christ. So yeah, so we're uh the the Trinity is not expanding to become more than three persons, right? But we are in the second person of the Trinity. Exactly. And in that sense, we're included in his fellowship. Right. So we are one with the second person.
0: And the second person is one with the first and third persons. <laughs> and so God is one. We are not God's, but we are included in, we've been made, what Peter says, partakers of the divine nature. You know, what, what is sin? Falling short of what? The glory of God. And so this idea that God remains the object of our worship, but but only as there has been eternal worship going on between the Father and the Son, facilitated and mediated by the Holy Spirit. In john 17 jesus says father I've, I've glorified you on the earth now glorify me with the glory which i had with you before the world was that there's this casting forth of glory and then a receiving and a giving and a receiving all mediated through the holy spirit so what gift were we given the holy spirit so who are we we are fellow heirs with christ yeah that there's this That this eternal fellowship has been extended so for me that the trinity is at the heart
1: of soteriology it's at the heart of our uh, i don't know Soteriology is the theology of salvation how we're saved right and you're saying we're never going to get salvation right if we don't get the trinity right
0: right Mm. and so you know it's why paul (laughs) prays that they you know the ephesians would know the height of their calling right and and the greatness of their inheritance I mean, think of the the madness of this gospel that we have been, you know, called to be included in God. (laughs) You know, that uh, and so Paul prays that, you know, after he's in Ephesians, he's been talking about this calling. And he says, you know, I pray that out of his glorious uh, riches, he may strengthen you so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all God's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know the love that surpasses knowledge that you may be what filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. That's Mm -hmm. bonkers. Here's the thing. I think Satan wants us to aspire to be as God's solitary Mormonism offers that. Hmm. It uh, it is it is hmm. the ancient lie, all the way
1: back to the Garden. Yeah. Right. What did Satan say to Eve? Um, you shall not die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, you will be like Him, right? Knowing good from evil, right? So the temptation was to become like God, or Mormon, to become a God yeah. yourself.
0: Mormon Old Testament Bible study fall in the fall quarter mormon curriculum old testament study in 2014 i read their my friend that came out of the mormon church still had access to their you know they all study the same thing around the world they all study the same curriculum um and so this this curriculum they go through the new testament the old testament the book of mormon like that so the old testament study was on Genesis three and it was saying, and it taught that it was a good thing for Eve to eat the fruit because in doing so she made way for us to have children and thereby to go through these progressions and become gods. And so they said the fruit is the fruit in Genesis three represents the book of Mormon by which we may know the, the, um, you know the difference between good and evil. Have the knowledge of good and evil, and thereby become as gods. That's what their curriculum taught. That we should get from Genesis 3. Sure. That the the fruit's a good thing, and aspiring to become a god is a, is a worthy aspiration. That's what they learned from Genesis 3. Mm. This isn't a Christian variant. It's not a benign thing. It's a demonic lie. That's just elegant. It was cooked up you know, in the bowels of of the enemy and his camp to really rob people's souls. Unfortunately, um, it is the antithesis. God invites us into his fellowship and so to become his peers, not in power or in origin, not to live independently of him, but to live in this intimacy that the eternal fellowship has enjoyed forever. Mm right to me that's a that's a beautiful vision the idea that you should achieve something vocationally morally um and so thereby be worthy to essentially dethrone god to become his successor <laughs> to stop worshipping him at some point and become him for another set of of underlings, dependents, that you can control under your whim. Mm. Um, to me, that, that sounds like good news for Satan. I think that's what Satan would find, an appealing gospel. Mm. Um, but it is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. God must be one, and he must be three persons or you don't have any of it. So we started with the Trinity. Well,
1: <laughs> Nate, <laughs> Nate, we said we were going to start with the Trinity and that's all we did. And uh, I guess that's as Nathan was saying, it's it's foundational. Mm. And uh, so we we'll, we only have a few more minutes, but uh, I'll hand it back to you. Nate, does this, how does this land on you? Does this seem like maybe a helpful start to the discussion?
2: Yeah, um, it definitely does. And I think this will be something that I I listen and sit with and and digest multiple times um, before even diving into conversations, which probably won't happen for a couple weeks anyway. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I think if I can – probably not put it so eloquently, but if I can uh, relay the message that like, hey, the the like, here's the Trinity, here's what it means. And without, you know, any deviation from this, like, it's all like you're throwing the baby and and the bathwater out like it is a totally different uh, set of beliefs altogether. And I think, yeah, I what was I gonna I was gonna ask a question. When you were describing but we kind of touched on soteriology and the trinity which i think is probably where the majority of our conversations will be spent um in the near future so yeah i think this was a phenomenal expansive view of the trinity and and why uh why it's necessary
0: yeah i would take them to deuteronomy 6 4. i just stay there Mm. you know um because they say that that yahweh is Jesus is yeah you know yahweh is pre-incarnate Christ, Elohim is heavenly father um and yeah deuteronomy six is um you know Shema Israel, yahweh elohim yahweh Ehad you know so there's this weaving together of these names, and he is one mm.
1: and so. I would. Um, there are these multiple hey, names. You just read this name. Hebrew, and you 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 said the Hebrew names for God, Elohim, Yahweh, and your point was to make to say that there is this one God in, mm-hmm. in in Deuteronomy six. These two persons, these two names for God, mm-hmm. are one.
0: Yes, one God, and that's the cornerstone. It's the foundation. Uh, the authors of the New Testament came preaching that Jesus is, Kurios, right. So if you read a Greek Bible, um, Yahweh would have been translated kurios. Lord. So Jesus is Lord, right? Um, So they're saying he's God. A confession of Romans 10. um, You know, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. And that was treason to the Romans and blasphemy to the Jews. Yeah, but only as, only as God, only as the covenant God, could He die. Could He take the law with Him when He died? Yeah, the Old Testament. I mean, why are we no longer under the Old Testament? Well, because it was a till death do us part covenant. Yeah. Mm. (laughs) So, Jesus the Man couldn't absolve us of the Old Testament law. And any more than any other man who might have died on our behalf, right? Who just, yeah, he was sinless. Um, but I don't think that was it in Romans seven. He's saying, look, you were, you were married to God, you know, and you cheated on him. You carried this adulterous stain. You had a scarlet letter because of your unfaithfulness. And even though he forgave you and took you back, you still carried that stigma Mm. until he became a human and died to dissolve that covenant so that you could marry him again after he rose from the dead under a new covenant, right? Jeremiah 31, the days are coming when I will make a new covenant, not the one like the, not like the one I made with them. You know, when I carried them out of Egypt, this new covenant, I will write on their hearts and their minds. They won't have to teach each other. Okay. how do you how do you institute a new covenant when the old one's still in effect you know i mean yeah god can just change his mind and say no that's not anymore but how are we ever going to trust him again Mm. (laughs) um but this was this was a covenant of till death do us part and jesus has come as god and he's come as a man and be on our behalf he's He fulfilled the ancient covenant, really, that he made with Abraham. You know, that the promises were made to him, contingent on resurrection faith, I believe. And because of his resurrection faith, he said, you know, he says, right before he dies, he says, it is fulfilled. Right? I have fulfilled the human side of this agreement. And peter says having ascended to the right hand of the father he has received the promised holy spirit which he's poured out now and so you know jesus has to be exactly who the new testament presents him as he can't be anything else if he if we try to make him something else all of it falls apart none of it works
1: Hmm. so again your point being that it's the trinity is foundational for our salvation mm -hmm. If Jesus isn't God in the flesh, then we can't be saved. All right. Nathan, if he's not the same being. Thanks for being with us, asking your questions. Thanks for the work you're doing uh, to share the faith. And maybe we can continue this discussion. And I think uh, I mentioned to Nathan before we recorded that I thought this discussion would be good for anyone who's a mm. Christian trying to understand their faith, not just for folks, folks who are talking to Mormons. I'm not talking to any Mormons, but I got a lot out of this conversation about the Trinity. So I think this, this discussion will be helpful uh, for anybody who listens. Thanks, everybody, for listening. If you've got questions, you can email us to discussion at recoverfaith.org.